Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello, I'm stand-up comedian James Mullinger and the co-founder of Edits Magazine. This is Mullinger Meets Canadians, the podcast where we meet Canadians who are making waves on the world stage. In this week's episode, I'll be speaking to comedian Steve Patterson, the legendary host of the hit show The Debaters on CBC Radio 1. A headlining comedian since 1997, he has taped numerous national television specials, including four for Just for Laughs. His performance in 2010 earned him a Gemini nomination, and host Steve Martin quipped, if I'd have known he was going to be that good, I would have cancelled him. But Steve Patterson isn't just a comedian. He's a husband, a father to two delightful daughters, a keynote speaker, and the unofficial leader of Canadian comedy, making it his life's mission to support up-and-coming comedians across the country. For the inaugural issue of Edit Magazine, he wrote about why Atlantic Canadians are the friendliest people in the world. Indeed, he is a great champion of the small towns and cities of Canada, as well as a world-class comedian. I spoke with Steve while we were still in partial pandemic lockdown. Steve Patterson, my friend, welcome to uh, Mullinger Meets Canadians. Uh, I am Mullinger and you are Canadian. This works out perfectly. The math checks out on this. How are you doing, my friend? I'm, I'm, I'm doing well. How have you been during the uh, lockdown? Yeah. We have two little ones, two little girls in our house and our five-year-old is, uh, you know, crazy to go see her friends but i've become the de facto five-year-old in the house which is a pretty pretty sideways jump for me so that's that's easy but our, our baby loves it we have a 10 month old and you know a quarantine to a baby is the greatest thing in the world <laughs> she, she just came out of a way tighter quarantine so she, this is great for her <laughs> That's true. It's um, it, it, it's quite hard to believe, isn't it? When this all happened, kind of early March, I don't think any of us kind of thought that it would go on so long. And I don't think we kind of realized the gravity of it. I mean, how have you did you kind of gradually come to terms with the fact that I mean, especially in our line of work, when you basically realize that, oh, it's not just a month's worth of gigs that are being cancelled. Yeah, it's it, it got really uh, it got really real real quick, right? I mean, I I the, mm. I got I, I got a show in as I'm sure you did. Uh, I got a show in on Friday the 13th out in Vancouver. We were doing a <laughs> fundraiser for the Boys and Girls Club, and that was we, they had already planned to do some of that show virtually, just by the way the the way the event was. So they ended up doing what was going to be a show for 250 people was a show for about 50 people in the room, and then a bunch of people watching online. And that was my first right. experience, um, not knowing it was going to be the, you know, a pattern to perform, <laughs> to perform essentially for a person's cell phone because they hadn't really set up the proper technology for it. So you're kind of, you're kind of performing for a cell phone, which as a comic, as you know, you hate you generally, when you see that in an audience, you're like, Hey, put away your phone and be here presently. And then you're like, Oh, this whole show's for the phone. The rest of you, what are you doing here? So it's been, <laughs> yeah. it's been weird. 
Yeah, I mean, as you say, I mean, back then, I don't think any of us thought, uh, A, that it would go on this long, or B, that doing gigs virtually would become not just something that we would have to do, but also a, a new skill set to learn. And, and really, I mean, I think what I found interesting was a lot of comedians said to me, well, that sounds like a nightmare. And I, and I was kind of said, well, that's true. But so did doing stand-up before <laughs> we did stand-up. True. So um, it, it has been, I mean, how have you found that kind of learning curve into, into doing, obviously, A, gigs virtually, but also, obviously, you're recording the debaters virtually too. Yeah, debaters, we've, we've only done a couple. And, you know, at least there's a team there. And uh, look, you know, it's funny that we, that we say, oh, how are we going to do this radio show for no audience? Well, that's what most radio is, is for no audience. <laughs> we've just, we've been the exception doing it in, you know, theaters full of people for 13 years. So it was, I think it was, you know, it's different only because of the way we had been doing it. But in terms of the medium of, of radio or podcasting, whatever you want to call it, that's what it usually is. You know, you're, you're kind of creating a scene and, and doing the show for, you know, nobody that's there, but you know, people are going to listen. So it's, uh, it, that transition was pretty easy. The, the more difficult one for me was definitely, you know, doing some stand up, which I've doing another show on June 30th through a site called side door access, which is predominantly musicians, but I've decided <laughs> I met, met the uh, co-founder Dan Mangan through another show I do and, and decided to give it a shot. And it went, it went reasonably okay. But you know, you, I have to say you were, a, you were an impetus for that watching, watching you hustle and kind of adapt to doing things for a laptop. Um, it was, it's, you know, you know how awkward it is, but then once you plow through it, you know, you, you do it in a different, a different kind of of way and the way that I did it was doing a greatest bits show where I where I knew the set list I was going to do very closely because I'm not going to be spritzing with my computer uh, so you know I wouldn't want to be trying to come up with an an hour of new material uh you know right. with no audience interaction but um you know, we've all got to adapt a bit. I haven't watched a lot of stand up to be honest, so I don't know what most are doing, but that's what I'm doing. Yeah, it's um, I mean, it, it, as you say, it, it is very interesting it, that thing of you know we know our existing routines and we can perform them, and then there's that kind of very interesting and awkward moment when you deliver the punchline and you're like, I don't know how long to leave. How good was that joke? Does, does it warrant seven seconds or does it warrant twelve? Like, like, and um, and 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 kind of, I mean, and again, I do kind of make reference to that to kind of acknowledge the, the the kind of absurdity of this situation. But I mean, one of the things that I've found with these Zoom gigs is a that. Some of the feedback I've had from people has quite often been that they never go out for whatever reason, <laughs> whether it be financial or personal situations or whatever it is, they, they don't go out. So this is their kind of first times ever seeing what they call live comedy. Mm -hmm. And 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 um, so that aspect of it I found interesting. And then the other part of it that, of course, is undeniable, as these people have pointed out, is that it is live. You know, one um, one company wrote to me and said, could I do a show at a certain time? And I couldn't do it. And they said, could you... Uh, do a video of you doing it and send it. And I said, well, if you're going to watch a recording, watch someone actually good, like Seinfeld's <laughs> new special. Like, you don't need, you can watch any You can watch any pre-recorded comedy. Yeah, exactly. Yes. You don't need me in my living room recording it. And, and, and as I was kind of explaining this to him, I realized that there is the aspect of it's live and people are at home and they're not paying theater drink prices. Um, none of this is to say that it could ever replace 
uh, live performance. But um, but of course, I mean, the, the first one that you did and the one you did with Side Door, you were supporting the, the Canadian Association of, of Stand-Up Comedians. Yeah. Why did that feel uh, important to you? Oh, geez, buddy, you're, you know, just a little bit of accent there. I thought you said, why did, why did that fail? I'm like, well, you know, I think we just, I could have done a couple jokes differently. Um, <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, just to clarify to listeners, uh, it, it doesn't help. Adding a Peaky Blinders accent to uh, a podcast, uh, for anyone that is listening and was confused, no, no. Uh, uh, I, I did say, why was that important to you? <laughs> um, well... Look, we're we're all in a we're all in a tough boat, you know. And I, uh, there's a lot of comics out there who, uh, you know, are just starting out, kind of new to the game, are are really uh, living. They're living paycheck to paycheck without a paycheck, uh, and they're making. You know, they haven't. You know, I'm fortunate that I've been doing it a while. I do a lot of corporate shows. They pay better than club shows, so we've got a little bit of a you know a cushion. Um, so I wanted to kind of put something towards the comics that don't have that, that are working hard, that might really fall on, on hard times. And, uh, this organization, uh, you know, CASC has done a lot of stuff for, for comedians and, and has kind of given them an organization where none existed before. So, you know, they're still trying to get to their goal before they start, uh, administering those things. They want to get to 50 grand. I haven't checked it lately. There are, you know, a little over 30, but, um, you know, I'll do that again for this second show is donate, donate a chunk of proceeds to them and see what we can, we can raise for them. But, um, I just wanted to do, you know, look, there's so many organizations, all of them need help. And I think that one that's going to certainly fall under the radar (laughs) is going to be, Hey, stand up comedians, uh, you know, let's, let's help them out. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's an interesting point because of course, uh, the Canadian Association of Stand-Up Comedians was set up to kind of uh, address this issue, which, again, is not top of mind to uh, most people. And neither is it of, of concern to a lot of people, because, as you say, people think, why do we need to help stand-up comedians? But, but, but it was founded because the Canadian government refused to acknowledge stand-up comedy as, as an art form. And, um, and of course, there are some people who, when they read our posts about this, they write to us and say, you know, why should stand-ups receive this and that? And it's like, well, it isn't a, so much a question of that. It's a question of uh, every single other art form is considered one. That's and right. I mean, I'm sure you've, you know, done the, you know, all of this, and I'll explain it for anyone that, that, that's listening. That you know, spoken word is considered an art form, and and therefore is eligible to receive grants for organising events or festivals. As is um, storytelling. So basically, uh, it's only an art form if no one's enjoying it. That seems to be, <laughs> or rather, <laughs> or rather, no one's laughing. I should say because that, that, I don't want to disparage. I love spoken word and storytelling, but but if no one, if someone laughs at the end of the sentence, yeah. if the audience laughs, it's not considered That's an right. art form. Denied. Um, Yes, that's um, why do you think that is? Is it really the, the is it what people say, which is the, the government are afraid of what stand up comedians say? How have we got to this place where this extremely kind of tolerant and, and artsy nation mm-hmm. uh, looks down on, on this industry that, let's face it, um, brings a lot of income to a lot of other industries? There's a huge knock on effect from being, bringing people, bringing tourists here, uh, the restaurant business, the, the food and drink uh, business. Why does the government feel this way, do you think? 
You know, it's a great question, James, and people have been asking it for a long time, but you know, no one, uh, no one until uh, Sandra with uh, the CASC uh, took to took and got the fight sort of to to the government and had talked to her local MP, and her local MP brought it to the House of Commons and made it a thing. And when you do point out that it is literally the only art form that we we for some reason don't consider an art form, despite exactly what you said, you know, comedy festivals pull people in all over the country. It's, it's a Canadian comedy is, you know, one of our greatest exports arguably, but everyone that does it well moves away from Canada because there's so few opportunities here in Canada. So it is something that should be shown off. And I think that sometimes, you know, we as a, as a quote unquote industry shoot ourselves in the foot because, you know, you stand up can either be produced or not. And it's got to be a, a bit of a level of, of production to it. You, you know, everyone's just putting stuff out online uh, and it's great to have content, but you do it the right way in that, you know, you, you work and plan and workshop and write your show and then you showcase it. And that's what you put out. You don't uh, film every open mic night at a bar and, uh, and then throw it out there. You know, there's something to be said for showing the, the process of writing comedy, but, but, you know, it's tough to, uh, to show it as a finished product when it's, when it's not. So I think that that makes it, you know, kind of easy for some people to shoot down to go, Oh, I went to, a open mic night at a bar. And is that what you're talking about? Like, should we be funding that? And, uh, you know, we have to explain, well, in, in lieu of any other (laughs) program Mm. that funds things, this is our gym that we have to do. We have to practice in front of an audience. So that's a little bit to do with it, I think. And, um, and then the other, just, you know, I don't know why we lack the, the panel shows that they have in the UK and the U S uh, to bring comedians in direct interaction with politicians and with other, you know, experts in other areas. It's like Canada is afraid to laugh at itself, which is crazy because in our comedy, we are the greatest self-deprecating nation in, in the world. So it's very, it's very ironic. Absolutely. And um, I mean, of, co- of course, I mean, the debate is really is the only show that we have as a country that A, does all of those things that you've just said, and also the only thing that kind of uh, pushes uh, Canadian comedians to the forefront. You know, I mean, in England, as you say, and, and certainly in America, in England, there's so many panel shows that, you know, they can propel an appearance on a panel show can propel someone from being a club comic, in some cases to an arena comic, uh, almost uh, overnight. Um, and uh, the debate is certainly or we have here in terms of that credit can help us as comedians sell uh sell out rooms which is which is everything um i just wondered if you could talk us a bit through how uh the, the debate was was conceived and and also how it has kind of become uh so successful today because i mean it, you know it really is such it's an amazing show uh the concept is brilliant and of course the execution and everything about it but but how did it, how did that become well, there was a group of uh, straight-laced, button-down debaters and a group of drunken comedians. And they got together one <laughs> night and copulated, and uh, the debaters was born. Um, Beautiful. <laughs> I, I can't take the credit. You know, it's Richard Side's idea, Richard Side's concept. Uh, he created it, pitched it to the CBC, workshopped it, uh, I believe, at the Winnipeg Comedy Festival is where it was really born, where there was a bunch of comedians, and he said, okay, 
We're going to see who we've got. We're going to give them topics to write to as they do for the Winnipeg Festival itself for the galas. But instead of just stand up, why don't we have, you know, one argument for one side, one argument for the other. And then he kind of figured out the format of like, you know, now we're going to have a bare knuckle round where anything happens and we're going to have uh, firing line questions and an opening and closing argument. And it's we're in and out. And um, and it's. You know, it's it's sort of framed around. It's not really. You know, sometimes we get letters from people that are. This isn't a traditional debate. I'm like, no, it's not. <laughs> it's a it's a comedy yeah. debate. Um, yeah. But ultimately, we've. You know, I would put our debates, most of them, against any political debate that I've seen recently, like within the last few <laughs> years, and be like, we actually not only are we funnier, we have more facts. We've actually <laughs> done more research and and have better <laughs> arguments than than the politicians who are supposed to be creating policy. So it's um That's I, a very good point. Like I love I love it. I'm I'm very fortunate to host it because it's um it's the only chance for three comedians to interact on stage at the same time. Three stand-ups, you know, it's different than improv, it's different than sketch. It really is stand up, but done in an argumentative kind of point of view kind of way. And uh, and crowds, people that like it, love it. And it's um, it's it's strange. It's either I've never met someone that's like, yeah, I, I've heard of that. I don't really like it. People, people either have heard it and love it or have not heard of it. So those are the two. Those are the two things. So true. So true. And it's, and it's true what you're saying. I mean, the debates are, you know, they do hold up. And I too have had those letters from a period on the show. I've had the letters <laughs> of people are like, "Well, why are we even debating if New Brunswick is an ugly province?" And I'm like, "Well, we're not. I'm really having like." And, and I think what I, what the genius of the concept, and this is you know what makes those British panels so successful, and what makes the debates uh, so successful, is that the premise is is essentially designed simply to how do we get as many gags into a you know 15 or 30 minute uh show like like how do we get as many laughs out there and how do we you know, basically give comedians the chance to be funny that's right and it's the other the other thing that i love about it is we've taken the sort of we've taken the concept of heckling and we've said what if what if the heckler was another comedian you know that's what the bare knuckle <laughs> round is and yeah. that's why some really great comedians just have not quite um excelled on this format because they have their set that they write, but you have to think on your feet during this show because things are going to change over the course of the debate. And, you know, if you can't do that, it's not a slam. It's just a different kind of comedy. You know, that's it. If you do comedy straight to a crowd and you don't um, want to be interrupted, it's, this is not the show for you because you've got it. You have to think on your feet. And even when we've taped it just for laughs and had some amazing comedians that were not Canadians that just weren't familiar with the format, you know, it really went off the rails and I don't mind when the show goes off the rails a bit, but when it goes way off the rails, it's, I don't know how, I don't know how they edit some of these shows to be honest with you. Right. Because as you say, I mean, it is, yeah, doing the show is a completely different, different skill set to what uh, comedians have have traditionally done. And I I love what you said about the fact that, you know, you've been obviously doing it for 13 years now, you still love it. And I think that's what is so infectious for an audience is that, A, being a Canadian comedy, it's especially very rare it's very rare for that many comedians to be all together in a theater at the same time outside of a festival. So that feeling of, I mean, a, the, the feeling that, that you, that you exude, which is that you are clearly there having fun. It's, and that is all the way backstage. Like every single comedian is genuinely delighted to be there. And I think the audience feels that. 
I think you're right. And it's, um, it is like, it's like a one night festival is what it is. You know, there's so many, so many comedians over the course of the evening that you're, you know, there's different topics, different voices. And I got to say, you know, I, one of our most fun tapings, they're all fun, but when, man, when we were out there, buddy, when we were in St. John in that beautiful Imperial theater and, uh, you know, I love to open the show, get a little bit of local stuff in, and then just just the goodwill of the people that were there that appreciate the show being there, that know that it's this national program that we're going to introduce the rest of Canada somehow a little bit to this yeah. part of the world through the topics, even if they're angry <laughs> at the topics, um, <laughs> is uh, you know, is that's I'm very I'm very proud of that, and I'm. We're trying to keep that flavor going, even though we're not traveling with the show right now. And it's different, but I, but people have responded pretty well so far to what, what we're doing in the meantime. Oh, yeah, it's, it's been great. And as you say, I mean, I think that one of the things that, that is so kind of embraced by the show is the fact that you go out of your way to, uh, it's not just big cities. You're not just touring big cities. You are playing Cape Breton Island. You are playing St. John. And, uh, and I think audiences both at home and in the rooms are, appreciate that you're doing that thing of actually making uh canada feel like more than just the city centers yeah i think it's i think it's important it's um you know when we go to places uh some places it's the certainly the biggest thing in in town it's um right and uh and it's a good it's a good feeling and you know also i have to say that every town's got its own little you know, advantage that we go back to Winnipeg, we're there time and time again. And, uh, and Ottawa in Ottawa, I mean, it's such a political town that sort of my favorite part of the taping is always the 10 minute opening that I do because <laughs> no one else really cares across Canada about this, <laughs> about the inner workings of <laughs> politics, but they do. And it's, it's my favorite thing to do a, a show opening in Ottawa and kind of set the tone of like, you know, the, the topics we tape have to be evergreen a bit to kind of last for a while, but we're very aware of the time that we're living in. And that's my, my, uh, the one thing I'd love to do a little bit more of on the show is to be more current with things and to debate topics that they're actually debating more so in the house of commons, but bring comedy to them because man, there's a lot of stuff that's, um, that's unpalatable right now. And, uh, and we could use this. This is what we do, right, buddy. We, we make the unpalatable yes. more, more palatable. So. <laughs> yeah. It's so true. I mean, the, 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 the world definitely needs it right now without question. <laughs> yeah. I'd like to think we're an essential service, but we're, that's not what we're being told so far, <laughs> but, uh, maybe phase no. four. It's, it's like, it's like the, uh, the zones to board a plane right now. We're like, uh, unfortunately we've, we've got to wait for all the pre-boarding. We're in zone five right now. Comedy. We're trying to try yeah, to move we up. Are. <laughs> we are like the, 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 the least priority. It's like, we need to basically start kind of, I'm not going to, I'm, I, I'm trying to avoid using those words that we hate hearing, but, uh, but I'm going to have to say it cause I can't think of another one, but, but what we need to do is we need to start pivoting into wearing like, I don't know, crucifixes. So we can argue that it's a religious service or start basically <laughs> only doing wedding gigs or all of the things that it's so funny when I read that, like, Oh, the local swimming pools open so it's okay for me to literally ingest stuff coming out of other people's bodies but i'm not allowed to be in a room with people laughing like i don't understand any of what's allowed and what's not allowed and as you say i mean i mean comedy when you when you try and bring it up with your local mp like so any chance of letting us know when we might be able to do a gig again it's like it's as if you've asked the most ridiculous question right it's like yeah we're bottom of the list <laughs> yeah and it's it's a great point you know that that uh 
you know, la- laughter is necessary for anxiety and stress levels. It's just, yeah. uh, it's, it's going to be a weird reemergence when it happens. It is happening now. There's already people doing, you know, like your own show that you're doing the drive-in show, I think is going to be a really interesting experiment and why not? You're going to be with the group that you came with, uh, enjoying yourself and hopefully the sound is all set up right. I think that's going to be really cool. I can't wait to, um, to see how that turns out. I love drive-ins anyway. I'd, I'd like to just go and do a show and then the movie starts. That's what I'd like to do. <laughs> yeah, that's true, yeah. And it takes the pressure off because it's that's like, right. if you didn't like this, you're going to love the new Van Damme. I don't know why I said Van Damme. Van Damme, that's has he got a new one coming out? How old are my cultural references? Oh, the muscles from Brussels. The new Van Damme movie. Um, uh, I think the... W- <laughs> um, the, I mean, the weird thing with driving though is, of course, that I don't... Like, at least with a Zoom gig, you can see them laughing in the little boxes. But I'm assuming if they've got their windows up, I'm not going to be able to hear them. So I'll be able to see through, like, three windows, three car windows. So if those three people are hating the show, I'm not going to feel good up there. Well, you got to, James, you're a master of uh, of getting involvement. So if I were you, I would be making like emoticon picket signs so that they can stick them out their sunroof or their window so that you'll know when they're smiling. That's what it should be. It should be like a real, uh, like a comedy, uh, not a comedy protest, whatever the opposite is. When they support you, they can like hold their signs up and show you they're laughing. And, yes, and they, yes. show the, they show their support that way, you know, or, or they or give them giant James Mullinger heads. And then it's a bunch of you laughing. Laughing at you, and what would be better than that? <laughs> yeah, what could be what could be more <laughs> egotistical than that? I think what I'd have to do is just pick up the signs that are already littered around New Brunswick. So no to shale, shale gas, sure. save our ferry boats. Um, yeah. Yeah, That's funny. Uh, Re- yeah. Well, repurpose those. Repurpose those. Yeah. Or just have a code. No to shale gas. Liked that one. Uh, save, yeah, the, save the ferry. Uh, yeah, real fun. Real fun. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, that's perfect. There's a solution. We're um, repurposing signs, saving the environment, and uh, exhibiting our love of, of a joke. That's yeah. um, that's the triple whammy right there. That's a three for um, yeah. um So you, I mean, you obviously, you've obviously spent decades now, not just touring Canada with uh, debaters, but also as a stand-up and as a, as a corporate comedian, and you obviously have a, a kind of love of Canada. Can you tell me a bit about your, your upbringing and how you've kind of developed this, this kind of feeling of inclusivity and love? Wow, buddy. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if that's what I'm doing. I'm trying, I guess, but I don't know. Sometimes I get so angry that I'm not sure mm. if, if I'm spreading his, his love or not, but, um, well, for the right people, it's, it's, it's love. You know, I think that you reach a point in, yeah. uh, where, you're doing shows and you think to yourself, you know, it's a real, it's a real point when you, in, in a room of a hundred people, if you're making 99 laugh, you're doing the right job. But uh, for a, a long time, I would be look at one person who was miserable and be like, well, why isn't that person laughing <laughs> and spend all my effort trying to make that one person laugh. And uh, you know, it was going to be a, a lost cause. So you're, you know, you just, you, you know, your people and you talk, to talk to them and you don't worry about who's not coming along for the ride. And, uh, in, in Canada, you know, I made a decision a long time ago to just make a go of it here. And, you know, there's not a lot of opportunities here, but you do, you do what you do. And, uh, I, I see people that I used to go to business school with now at a lot of shows. And I'm like, well, that you went that way. I went this way, but look, look, here we are 20 years later. I knew we'd be in the same room eventually. So, 
Um, <laughs> it's whatever, it's whatever your background is to, to kind of embrace it and, and go with it. And don't worry about the people that you're not winning over, uh, worry about the people that you, that you are, that are on your side. Yeah, that's very true. And it's interesting. I mean, I mean, as, as, as I think you're pointing out, being a comedian in Canada, it is different to elsewhere, you know, without the kind of obvious star system, without the kind of the, the comedy industry being embraced by the government, you do have to, there is an element of, of needing business acumen in order to just survive here, let alone thrive. Yeah, 100%. Um, <laughs> which is, un, which is, unfortunate to a degree it'd be nice if everyone else did everything else and we could focus on the funny but um i'm a big believer and you know you find the funny in anything so you know you and you and i could both probably start any gig off with 10 minutes of how weird it is to do that gig or or something about that group <laughs> and i think that people really appreciate when a show is just for them i think that's the difference between doing live in the moment comedy, or as you say, you know, pre-recorded press play comedy. It's, it's a very different energy. And if there's a comic that shows up and they're only going to do their set that everyone's seen already, or that they've done a thousand times, that's, that's not really a show, you know, send, send a tape, send a DVD, uh, send a transcript and let Larry from accounting read it. But, um, <laughs> you know, if you're going to be a performer, be there in the moment and do put a little something in for the group that's in front of you. Yeah, no, that's so true. As you say, that's everything. It's, it's, it's about making it special, which works both. It's both a creative decision and a business decision at the same time. Yeah, I think it just keeps your brain alive, too. You know, we've all seen current events comics that are doing current events from 1987. And uh, it'd be nice to to update. And the way to update is to write something new for every gig. And that's also the way, as you know, that you get to perform for for, uh, the same organization multiple years in a row as you're always updating. That's it. That's everything. Um, I'm a, as you know, I, I'm a huge fan of your book, the uh, the book of letters. I didn't know where to send. Um, are you? Thank you, um, buddy. Uh, no, I mean I absolutely love it, and I've, I've read it numerous times. And I, I pick it up when I'm feeling uh, when I'm feeling down. It's just one of those great books that you can can always pick up and refer to and 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 have a good laugh. Are, do you? Um, are you? Still a big letter writer, and if so, yeah, it's always right there on the toilet. <laughs> yeah, it's always there on the toilet. Yeah, could you read between the lines there? Could you read between the lines of, of where it is? Um, <laughs> it's always there. Do, do you um, do you there. still write lots of letters? And if so, who right now would you like to uh, write a letter to, and what would you say to them? Well, you know, I think there's a lot of people that are trying to write to the country of America. Um, no particular Americans, just just the country of America or, or maybe reasonable Americans. And, you know, try to uh, there's so much uh, it's so easy to make fun of what's going on right now. But it's also so depressing and maddening. So, you know, I think a lot of people are writing letters about a lot of different things uh, to try to get things done. And they always say, you know, write to your local MP um, but then when you look at some of the local MPs or premiers, <laughs> you're like, <laughs> I don't think this person does a lot of reading. So <laughs> I, I'm not sure that a letter is going to get done, you know, written to this person, what I needed to get done, but open letters where, 
you know, you find your kindred spirits and you just post it to the world. Those are very (laughs) effective right now. And, um, I, you know, I do like to write letters to inanimate objects, uh, sometimes that irritate me or, or groups that I don't know who the representative is of (laughs) like, uh, you know, cyclists or just, uh, ladies of earth. Um, but yeah, I do like, I do like to write letters. A lot of people are doing it now and it's, I started to do it in stand up because, I'm the kind of guy that can very easily lose my train of thought where I was going with something on stage. So at least with a letter, I know I'm going to get to the end of it. Yeah. (laughs) In the, uh, in the first issue of edit magazine, you very kindly wrote a beautiful uh, feature for us on why Atlantic Canadians are the friendliest people in the world. Um, Could you tell me a bit more about your love of this region? And, uh, and of course the fact that your, your brother is, uh, is a hero of the Maritimes too. Yeah, he sure is. And uh, <laughs> first of all, kudos to to the edit. I see it everywhere I go in Canada, and I'm uh, you know I've I've no claim to be proud of you, James. I can't be proud of you, but I'm like I'm like that's my buddy. And uh, uh-huh. you know, most comedians that are funny and busy, uh, that's enough for them. But not James. He runs an entire magazine, uh, and and not just one that's you know sketched by crayon and handed around the neighborhood. It's a beautiful magazine. It's beautifully written. It's um, beautifully laid out. So uh, kudos to you on that. And it was an honor to write in the first one, even though I'm not a Maritimer. I feel like an honorary Maritimer. You are. You are. Thank you. Well, And, um, <laughs> you know, I, I just have always had the best people ask me, you know, who are the best audiences in Canada. And for me, it's always been anyone in uh, in Atlantic Canada. They come they come to shows ready to laugh. There's a music about the people that I talked about that, um, you know, anytime you go to a party in the Maritimes or frankly, anytime you go to a party anywhere where there's Maritimers or Atlantic Canadians, it's going to be a good party, you know? And, uh, um, that's, that's, um, something that I've just learned, you know, from being there so many times. And, and, uh, my brother, you know, runs a shop called the noodle guy in Port Williams in the Annapolis Valley. And uh, the whole community has kind of rallied around and support their own. You know, that area is a very, very much a self-sufficient area. You know, you know, your, you know, your butcher, you know, your um, cider provider, uh, you know, your uh, you know, winery person, you know, who uh, makes your makes who makes everything is, you know, they all help each other. And I think that there's a real spirit about that. And, and you sort of everyone has to know how to do things uh, when you're out there, you know, like you got to know how to. Um, how to live on your own and how to get through pretty tough winters. So, um, <laughs> it's a, it's a hardy group. And I was speaking with Adam Baldwin, fantastic musician from uh, Nova Scotia a little while ago. And I asked him, why is there such great music from the, from the Maritimes, from Nova Scotia and everywhere else? And he said, um, well, I think we're kind of on our own out here. People forget that we're out here. <laughs> so we have to, uh, yeah. we have to entertain ourselves. And I think that's, that's very, very true. You know, it's, uh, the way I put it, when you, if you're at a party in Toronto with a bunch of Torontonians and a guy brings out a guitar, it's time to leave. It's time to leave the party. Um, but if you're in the Maritimes and someone brings out a guitar, it's about to it's about to kick it up a notch. So, 
<laughs> yeah, that's very true. It's very true. And you and I, you and I, of course, have been to a maritime kitchen party together at wonderful uh, Stephanie Purcell's house. Stephanie Purcell, uh, let's give her a shout out. Yes, Steph, she is. Uh, she's a hero, a maritime hero, uh, a female entrepreneur to admire. Um, she's everything, isn't she? Oh, she is. She's she's gold. She stays at our place when she comes to Toronto. Uh, you know, which we hope she'll be able to come again soon. And. Uh, yeah, she she really embodies what the maritime spirit is. I mean, she's a Newfoundlander originally, but lives in in Halifax now. And, and yeah, she just invited the entire cast of of the debaters <laughs> on whatever it was a Wednesday night back to her house and got a keg and made food for everyone. I mean, who who does that? There's probably people in the world, but I don't know any of them that live here. <laughs> no. <laughs> Yes, none in Toronto or London. That's for well, sure. Well, they don't no. have room at their house for one thing. You'd be uh, you'd be <laughs> yeah. sitting on top of each other. <laughs> That's very true. Very true. Um, and uh, can I ask, like, where you grew up, and 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 if you could describe your upbringing to me, your kind of formative years. Uh, well, I grew up uh, in in a just north of Toronto, a, a place called Thornhill, which I think most people would just call Toronto these days. Uh, I moved to London when I was like eight, London, Ontario, James, the other, the other London, as we refer to <laughs> it. London. Yeah. Even though we took all the names, there's a Thames river running through it. There's a Richmond row. It's just so wow. stupid. Um, and you know, it was, uh, it's a nice, it's a nice little town, but it's, you know, not somewhere that you're going to stay if you want to do comedy to a worldly audience. Um, so I, I pretty quickly came back to Toronto. You know, I was in London from the time I was nine to 18. And then as soon as I could, I came, came back to Toronto and I'm, I'm a sort of a Toronto boy through and through. And it's, it's different people that come from different parts of the world, obviously to the, to the big city. And it's sort of a default city for them. And I get it, but it, this is where I kind of grew up. And, um, I, uh, I, I do love it. I love the city. And the, as more people come from different places, it gets more and more, uh, friendly, uh, than it was, but I'll, I'll be honest, if there was anywhere else I was going to live, it would be in, in Eastern Canada. Um, because I've got so many good friends out there and, uh, different, different way of, of life. You know, I think that growing up in Toronto, uh, you know, you, is a certain way that you think about things and then you go out to the Maritimes and at first you think, Oh, I'm going to be, I can be the mayor of this town because they're moving at one eighth of the speed that I was, but, <laughs> but, but uh, there's a reason for that. You know, there's a, it's a better, better way of life. So, um, you know, yeah. we're thinking about it, James, you know, you tell me, oh, you tell well, me the move we, seems to have been worth it for you. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're, we're waiting for you. We, we want you here. Um, and, and it's, I, I feel like the, the, the kind of lockdown and the pandemic is definitely making people kind of look at certainly quieter places places i mean this is the funny thing with new brunswick is of course that that you know we obviously did very well only one death etc etc but really the only reason we did well is we were already self-isolating before <laughs> the lockdown like there really wasn't much of a difference and i think i feel like that's one of the things people are going to start looking at is you know a being realizing that you don't necessarily need to be in a, in a city hub because people can work virtually now and more companies are of course going to allow people to work virtually um also as i say being self-isolated here i mean you know no one was going to catch it because you don't you know you can go months or years in in new brunswick without making physical contact <laughs> with another human being anyway <laughs> and then and then as soon as and then when you factor in like waterfront mansions for 50 cents uh, suddenly it becomes 
becomes quite an enticing prospect for people. And I'm hoping, uh, I'm hoping to see you moving in next door very soon, Steve, because my 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 house next door is on sale. Oh, really? Well, is there a pool? Because <laughs> yeah. if there's a pool, my daughter will buy it right now. My daughter will. will... Funny enough, that. There is a beach um, opposite, and uh, the, so I mean the, the the river is cold, but um, that's the only reason we never got a pool was because we just like throw we just throw the kids into the into the river, and so uh, I'll, I'll send a picture, show it to your daughter, and if she approves it, let's just make this happen. Well, yeah, you know, I'm only half kidding at this point. We've really <laughs> we've really expanded our search, and every time, every time, you know, my wife's my my manager, and when we're sitting down to work on something, she'll open up her computer, and it's a real estate listing of somewhere that I had no idea we were thinking of relocating to. So <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> that is it. And and you mentioned Nancy there, and of course she's your she's your she's your wife, she's mother of your children, but she's she's also the she is the brains of the operation, as we know. Um she's the she's your manager, but she's the one that, that basically makes uh all of your kind of career and business happen. Do you tell me a bit about what it's like um your wife being the brains of the operation and, and and how that functions day to day. Okay, I get it, James. You don't have to repeat several times that she is the smart one of the group. <laughs> sorry, sorry. That I'm Did just that, that I'm just was... the dumb sack of meat that uh, that stands up <laughs> the, in front of people. That's, that's, <laughs> yeah, thank you. That's exactly what I was. That's right. To say. Yeah, dance, dance, sack of meat. Um, <laughs> sorry, that isn't what I meant, but you know what I mean. No, hundred percent. No, it's very it's very accurate. If we were doing a pie graph, you and I both, yeah, you know, we. We can talk in business terms. If we were doing a, a pie graph, you know, it would be, you know, Nancy would have, you know, tour logistics and uh, bookings and uh, invoicing and uh, paying bills and advertising and promotion and everything else. And then there'd be this little sliver that wouldn't even register as a color. And it would just say, be funny. And that's my <laughs> job. Um, so, yeah, she does handle all all of that. And it's it's really challenging right now with, you know, a five year old that can't can't go to school so she's there all the time and a 10 month old uh, at home um and i just keep coming to this office space outside the house and uh, and begging anyone to have me on their podcast so i'm i'm kind of shirking responsibilities i guess but um it works out well for for us i think you may if you could, you could ask nancy after this see if it's a different answer but um you know it's it's if you can look if you can keep stuff in the house keep it in the house nancy comes from a a background of uh, of nonprofit and fundraising, and so she's gone to Canadian comedy. So it's a very easy transition. <laughs> <laughs> it's still, pretty it's much when, nonprofit. When, that's it's true. Whenever people, whenever I ask to put up a poster for a show, and people go, "Well, is it nonprofit?" I'm like, "I'm a Canadian yeah. comedian, of course it is." <laughs> pretty much. I'm not. I'm not doing this for the millions. You know. <laughs> I think the great. I think the greatest answer to that would be: Is it a nonprofit? If you don't let me put up this poster yes <laughs> yeah, <that's a> good <laughs> it will not make any profit yeah. <laughs> so true well um i know we need to wrap this up because uh, nancy just texted me saying that you are required downstairs for a, a game of hungry hippos and you are shirking a no 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 i'm, I'm joking yeah. that could very well happen but I, they were in the basement when i yeah. left and we do have hungry hippos <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's. Uh, it's funny, my, my, and I say that because the part of the noise I've been worried about is my kids are noisily playing Hungry Hippos downstairs, despite the fact I did promise them an 
hour of phone time later if they kept the noise down, which they didn't do. So now uh, no fortnight for them. Um, Well, that's uh, that's uh, my future, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but this has been uh, such a joy, Stephen. I, I just want—I mean, sin- sincerely, like you know, I'm a, I'm a huge fan as well as a, a, as, a as a good friend of yours. And uh, I want to thank you for all that you do for Canadian comedy and are continuing to do. And uh, I salute you, my friend. Well, thank you very much, James. And you know, the feelings—the feelings mutual. Uh, this this time we're living in is uh, challenging for everyone, but you know, it's also been an eye-opening way to adapt. To many different things, not just in comedy, but in, you know, in the way you live and the way you treat people and the way you treat things. So I think, um, you know, there should, the world was, uh, you know, due for a reset. Uh, you know, this is not the way I would have gone, gone about it, but, um, it's a, it's a hell of a wake up call for a lot of people. And, um, you know, if you got to adapt and, and stay relevant to, uh, <laughs> to keep going. So, you know, the, 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 at any time you spend complaining about why something is not the way it is, is time you could have spent trying to improve it. And, um, you know, that's, that's where we're all at right now. And no, no one does it better than, no one does it better than you, buddy. You're, you're out there all the time and you're spreading nothing but positivity. And I think that's what, um, that's what the, the comedy world and the world needs a lot more of is, uh, you know, less less kind of look how stupid this is uh and and more you know look how great this is and how much greater it can be but it's, it is also fun to make fun of people that deserve it don't get me wrong but it's um it's you know if you can put a, if you can make someone laugh and they're you know if you're making fun of someone in a way that they're laughing the loudest then i think i think you've got it figured out so oh, that's beautiful thank you so much steve have a wonderful day and enjoy hungry hippos thanks my friend Thank you for listening to Mullinger Meets Canadians. If you like greatness, creativity, being inspired, laughing, or just love Canada as much as I do, then this is the podcast for you. So please do subscribe and review the show now. And be sure to tune in to Steve Patterson on CBC's The Debaters every week. And check out his hilarious book, The Book of Letters I Didn't Know Where to Send, published by Goose Lane Editions, gooselane.com. Further details can be found on the Edit website, maritimeedit.com. See you next time. Podstarter. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.